Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is your weekly podcast book club, and we are in the second section of Writers and Lovers, which I keep incorrectly referring to as Friends and Lovers for some reason. I was going to say. And... <laughs> Our podcast is named Friends and Lovers Episode 2. This is not Friends and Lovers. <laughs> I will fix it. I will fix it. This oh. is Writers and Lovers by Lily King. In this section, we are watching Casey, our main character, possibly falling in love with two different men, Silas and Oscar. We'll get into that a little bit more later. We're really spending all of our time kind of in her day-to-day as she's working at the restaurant and finishing her novel, walking her landlord's dog, etc., And throughout this, we are contrasted with her having some serious medical issues alongside her dealing with the grief of her mom and finding out who she is slash falling in love. So a lot of emotions happening in this entire section. This book in general to me and in this section, there's a lot of emotion. I feel like I'm in her head as she's trying to figure out what she wants and who she is or what's happening to her and her emotions, but there's not like a whole lot of plot. We're really just living a pretty normal existence of drowning in debt and working at a restaurant. What's up, Casey? (laughs) I sort of spoiled myself a little bit, not fully, but I Googled Oscar's name because I was like, is this a writer I should know when he first got to the restaurant thinking he was some like actually famous author and then was like, oh, in Oscar in Writers and Lovers is a love interest of Casey along with Silas. I'm like, oh, well, I just spoiled that (laughs) development. (laughs) Whoops. That's okay. I mean, you don't know which one she ends up with or what ends up happening. So I feel like it's half spoiled also i have a bone to pick with you katie why also, sorry I... for coughing. <laughs> it's not covid i just took a test five seconds ago okay go ahead <clears throat> i on last week's episode you were like then that like she talks about all these writers and how they had lost their parents or their mom and like how they had a breakdown or what they went through and i was like mm-hmm. in my head like i don't remember Uh-oh. that at all Uh-oh. that was the first <laughs> chapter of this week's section <laughs> <clears throat> Woo! Sorry to all my friends and lovers. That's my bad. Um, I <laughs> I think it's hard on a Kindle because I'm reading this on a Kindle and like right now it says I'm at page 169, which you said, which is the schedule. But I think I need to stop reading now, even though 169 lasts for like two pages on my Kindle. So I don't really know what's happening. Oh. Luckily, it's not like a murder mystery, so I'm not going to hopefully ruin anything major. I do want to know why authors sometimes make decisions like this, which is like, don't number the chapters. And it's uh, like, why? But why? I am sorry that I ruined that for you, even though it was not really anything to ruin. But I do apologize for overreading. And I hope I don't do that this time. Totally fine. I did not expect Oscar to emerge as the love interest. I figured that it wasn't going to be as straightforward as her falling in love with Silas. But what do you think about the two men, the two kind of leading contenders for her heart? Who do you like better? How do you feel about her infatuation with both of them. I was trying to think about this before the episode. I wanted Oscar to be just like a little bit hotter. And I feel like he's a little too adorable. A little, I don't know. And it's not like I don't want him to be adorable and nice. He just seems maybe a little bit boring. Um, (laughs) It doesn't seem what I expected from like a famous writer that she's intimidated by. I don't feel like any part of him is really intimidating, but maybe that's just how I'm reading him. I think Silas is, um, you know, the typical bad news situation. He's 
kind of quirky. He's clearly into her. I'm not saying that that's a bad idea. I just think he's going to be the kind of guy who like isn't there when she needs him, but the sex is great when he comes back. So, I mean, I don't, I feel like if she could combine them, that would be great. I don't know. What do you think? Well, isn't I mean, that how we always feel? Yes, per <laughs> usual. Can I take a solid combo of all these things into one human that I really want to love? Perfect. I'm surprised how quickly Oscar initiated kissing and hugging. And he seems to be taking this relationship really seriously for being the first person he's dating after his wife passed. Okay, maybe that's what it is. I feel like he's falling really hard for her really fast. And it, maybe it's scaring me because I'm like, you don't you don't know. You know, your wife just passed. And look, you have these little kids. I did think the scene with him at the restaurant and the little boys paying for dinner and him being like was truly precious. I was like, this is the cutest thing I've ever read. And she pays for the rest of it. I mean, the whole thing was a precious meet cute and I loved it. I do like Oscar and Casey's banter. I think he's more on her level in terms of, well, she's like dating above her station and below her station at the same time. So I think Oscar's clearly more successful and she somehow is able to convey that she's not impressed by him, which he seems to like. But then Silas seems like a mess and is not initiating any physical intimacy between the two of them, which is so weird. He's being so weird, but she's so into it. I don't know what Silas is doing. Like, what is he thinking? And he left for two weeks because he just needed to move. I think that part annoys me because it seems very much like the world needs to revolve around what Silas needs at any given moment. I mean, I get that that sounds romantic, but I'm tired of these men being like, I need to lock myself in a room with some books. or I need to leave for two weeks and ignore you. I'm like, Kim, I don't know. What do you think of Silas? Silas is boring. I'm not impressed with Silas. I'm not impressed with Silas either. I think he's like a bad decision. <laughs> they clearly have like a lot of chemistry and mm -hmm. she's really physically attracted to him. But I think that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, I agree. Look, Oscar is a talented writer. He's a loving father. He takes her out to fancy dinners. He owns his own home. He's wealthy. He loves his mom. I'm into it. I'm pro okay, Oscar. Right. That's pretty hot. I'm into Goodbye, it. Silas. Okay, I mean, I agree. I feel like Oscar over Silas, obviously. I just don't know that it's enough for her. Obviously, it's not enough for her. Oh, okay, so you agree. Yeah, she's super into Silas for some reason. This is like your annoying friend who keeps like going out with like the fuck boy because he's so hot, even though he treats her terribly. And you're like, I get that you're getting something out of this, but can you stop doing that? <laughs> but can you not, please? And they can't. They cannot. The love interest that I'm most invested in is her best friend Muriel and their relationship as writers, peers, and friends. I love them. I love the two of them. I loved how they both were so anxious about reading Casey's novel and how seriously she took it and how lovingly she gave her feedback, encouraged her to look at the hard parts and to like pursue them with like courage. I love it. And I also love that Oscar likes Muriel and appreciates her I think that friendship is my favorite part of the book so far I agree I love Muriel I loved how she was super nervous to read the book because she didn't want to not 
she was so badly wanted to love it and to be able to point out the parts that she did that she was nervous to read. I feel that whenever I'm looking at something someone else has created and you want to be honest and you're like, I hope I honestly love this as much as I want to. And she does, but she also thought about it so carefully and how she could make it better. I thought it was so sweet. I think everybody wants and deserves people who will help them in such a loving way, do something that they've been working on for such a long time. I wanted to read one part too about her falling in love with Oscar and how self-aware she is while they're kind of on their date. And she says, I squat there and think about how you get trained early on as a woman to perceive how others are perceiving you at the great expense of what you yourself are feeling about them. I just felt like that was such a profound sentence and thinking about when you when you are like meeting somebody, whether it's a friend or a lover or whatever, and you're really just trained to think about what is somebody else thinking or how can I care for somebody else's comfort instead of feeling what you're feeling. And I think it's talented to be able to see how she, how Casey is struggling with that in the moment as it's happening to her. She's thinking of it in like a meta way. Like, why am I thinking about how he's thinking about me? You know, it's funny too, in that short sentence, how she also conveys the fact that this happens independent of how we feel about that person, which is like, I don't like you anyway. I don't respect your opinion. So why do I like have this burning need for you to like me? I don't like you, but this happens all the time. And we're aware of how we're being perceived and we want other people to perceive us positively. Right. I think that could go both ways. Either you don't like them or in this case, she is really liking Oscar and she's still like, instead of thinking about what she does or doesn't like about Oscar, she's wondering what Oscar, you know, how he's perceiving her in that moment as well. TikTok really gave me the idea of being perceived as an experience, as a psychological experience. So there's a paper to be written about that, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that does to how you're perceiving yourself and those around you. Okay, write the paper. Let us know. Done. So in contrast to these lovely little love stories and Casey's little more carefree part of her life, we also get some pretty serious flashbacks of her growing up and her dad. I didn't really get, obviously, the mini golf thing, and she was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at golf. And then we get the whole flashback as to her childhood growing up. That was clever. What did you think about that whole section, or what did that help you learn more about who Casey is? Oh, I just feel so bad for her. What a horrible, traumatizing experience. And then to have to tell on your dad and have see him like lose his job as a result of it and to just feel that like shame and guilt and embarrassment. Oh, so sad. It's also sad because Casey's whole childhood and being this daughter that he's really proud of and a lot of her identity growing up is wrapped in the fact that she was really good at golf and it's something her and her dad did together and he taught her. And that also has to leave when she confronts this side of her dad. It's like poisoning a lot of different parts of her life. And I do feel really bad for her in this whole situation. I just want to give Casey a hug. We also figure out in this section that that's the reason why she's so in debt is because she lost her scholarship because she refused to play golf anymore because it basically is too traumatizing for her or triggering to think about her dad and those times with her dad and that's why she had so many loans because she was still going to Duke but couldn't afford it yeah I feel like I'm liking this book but I there's just not that much to talk about it which I'm surprised by I'm thoroughly enjoying reading it but I also feel like it's not a book I'm like 
I think at the end of it, I'll be like, I loved this book, but don't ask me why, but I loved this book kind of thing. Like I'm enjoying the experience of it, but I don't know what like greater media and getting out of it at this point. The book has a good atmosphere. It has a good feeling. We're definitely in a very specific time and place. It is a very white book and I understand that she is struggling, but she's not really struggling. Like there's a difference between having a job and paying off your debt and having a place to live versus getting evicted. Like there is a little bit of she has options too. Like she interviews for this other job. I just think she's like a little bit privileged in the way that is not as sympathetic. It's interesting to me that you say this and I can't figure out how to form what I'm trying to say right now, but yes, she is privileged. And I feel like this reminds me of the year of rest and relaxation. And then you were talking about she's privileged. It doesn't mean that she's happy that she's fulfilled, that she's utilizing her resources, how she could. It's kind of similar. Like, yeah, she could be getting another job, but Maybe she likes the restaurant world and also the feeling of that crushing weight of debt isn't maybe not valid because she's not struggling with other things or because she is privileged in other ways and neither is her grief or her trauma around her family. And I think maybe do you feel like there's a little bit of the same thing in rest and relaxation, which is you can have so many things and be privileged in so many ways and still not know, still not be happy, still not be okay, still be struggling, still have a valid story of that. I think she's fine. She's super talented. She's just written a fucking novel. She's dealing with grief, but I don't think that she's lacking meaning. She clearly has meaning in her life. She has a social network. She has a purpose. She has talent, multiple talents, and she's attractive. She's like attracting all of these men around her. I don't feel that there's like an internal struggle, I guess, in a way that's making me feel really bad for her. I feel like she's sort of okay. I do think she's totally okay, relatively speaking. I do think she's doing fine. And maybe this isn't a story of her struggling, which I feel like is still valid if it's a story about her finding out what she wants from a lover, if it's a story of her reconciling her obvious family trauma in the past and her feelings about her mom. Like Maybe it is just a story of her going through that. Um, Obviously... I feel like there's going to be something else that happens in this section, specifically related to her doctors and health experiences. And so I think there's going to be a little bit more drama around this, but I don't think this is a struggle story, if that makes sense. I don't even think that she doesn't know what she wants from a relationship. I think she does know what she wants. She just hasn't found it yet, but she's getting very close. I mean, she has two people who she's dating right now who both seem interesting, interested in her attractive, available. I guess I'm just not getting what the tension is. And that's part of why the book is maybe not thrilling me the way I thought it was going to. Okay. That I feel like is fair. I don't feel like there's a big tension source that's leading us to a climax. I don't feel stressed reading this. I do feel fine reading it. Anyways, we'll see. I just feel you're not loving it so far. It's fine. It's atmospheric. It's fine. I just, I'm not, I think I thought I would love it more and I'm, it's Mm. not grabbing me in the way I thought it would. That's fair. What do you think of all these doctor's visits and the kind of drama surrounding her getting health insurance and finally seeing a doctor? I feel like every time you go to a specialist, they're like, oh God, so many things we need to do. So nothing is standing out to me as that bad. 
okay. Um, Let's talk talk. That's it. We don't have anything, anything else to say no. about it? <laughs> I'm feeling so meh about every book I'm reading right now, and I don't know why. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling those vibes coming across the screen. I am feeling so underwhelmed by everything that I'm currently reading. I think you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a lot of underwhelmed. I hate this energy coming across the screen. <laughs> Read books today. I feel like that in the beginning of this year where I was like, I'm picking up books that I just am consistently hating. Like, do I not know what I like to read? How am I doing this so badly? Then I read a bunch of five-star books in a row. And I'm kind of in a meh phase right now also. But my friend David, who has a very similar book taste that I do, sent me three books that he already read and was like, I think you're going to love these for vacation. And when somebody that I feel like has a similar reading style sends me books, I'm like, okay, great. I'm like fully confident that I'm going to love all of these. What are the books? He gave me four books. I don't have them in front of me right now, so I might get the authors wrong. But I know that one of them is Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt, which I'm super excited to read. I've already started reading The Club by Ellery Lloyd, and I am obsessed. I'm 50 pages in, and I could not stay awake any longer last night to read and actually fell asleep with it. It's like celebrity, gorgeous setting, high class, definitely a murder mystery. Do you know I love some really dark books in some really pretty places? So super excited about that one. There's also a book called Olympus and Suburban Dicks in there. So TBD, I can't wait to start reading them. That sounds great. And you're taking those all on vacation with you? Yes, I'm taking them all on vacation. I didn't really read anything else this week. I'm still kind of working my way through those longer nonfiction books that I was reading last time. And I needed to break up the monotony and spend a day reading because I had a stressful week. And I read a little rom-com that somebody recommended to us called So We Meet Again that follows two Korean-American um both like former Wall Street and Silicon Valley execs who end up back in their hometown and kind of their story of rediscovering each other, et cetera, and also their love for Korean food. So it was delicious and adorable and just a cozy read. I think from the first three pages, I was like, I know it's going to happen in this book and I'm annoyed by it. And, but I still read the whole thing and it was fine. Like three out of five, but if you're bored would recommend. Could be a good summer park. It would be read. a good beach read. And if you're in a slump, it'll get you out of it. It's cute. I had COVID, so I didn't read anything. I had no like energy or motivation or anything during quarantine. I watched a lot of things. I watched Under the Banner of Heaven, which is so good. Really? And what is it about? It is about Mormons <laughs> and a murder that happens of a Mormon mom and her child and the detective who is investigating her murder. Ooh. Did you watch the Our Father one? I started it. I haven't finished it, but it's really good so Is far. It super creepy. Um and are you asking cuz like do you think like should you watch it? Like should I watch it? Yeah. It's not that creep. I mean, it, he's he is a creep. What he did is a creep, but it's not scary. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um it's crazy though. I was like 10 minutes in and there's like a big reveal and you're like, I'm not, I was like, how is this where there's so much more documentary left. How is this already like sibling 14? It's like, Oh my God. So I know mm -hmm. it's just going to keep going. 
What else did you watch? Anything else besides Under the Banner of Heaven? Uh, we finished Atlanta, which is really, I love that show. It was really good. It was very artsy this season mm-hmm. and very much a commentary on race dynamics and social dynamics. I just love Atlanta. I think it's such a good show. Okay, maybe I'll watch that. I'm reading Black Buck, which I like. I feel it's just not what I wanted to read while I was sick. That's fair. That's fair. I'm excited to hear what you think of it once you get kind of into the story of it. I really liked that book. I'm also reading Funny You Should Ask, which is super. I've seen it recommended three separate times on TikTok. And I always feel like if a book is recommended to me three times, I have to read it. That's how I found my year of rest and relaxation. There's also a book called A Certain Hunger that's definitely on my list because I've also seen it recommended at least three times on TikTok. Everyone is talking about funny you should ask. Like, I can't believe I've seen that so many times. Also, I feel like people messaged us at least one and said, this is my top contender for my book of the year already. And I was like, what? People are obsessed with this book. I'm really surprised. But somebody, one of the TikToks I I saw was like, I'm only 50 pages in and this is my favorite book I've ever read. And I am definitely past that point. It is not that level of good. Like, it's just not. But maybe it's getting there. Okay. I, what's the premise of it? Just like in a sentence or two? Is it? A, I feel like it was a rom-com, but I could be wrong. It is a romance book. It is a journalist who writes for something like BuzzFeed, and she gets tasked to interview Gabe Parker, who is a leading young man who's going to play James Bond. Wow, that really took me a second. <laughs> He's going to play James Bond and basically people are outraged that he's playing James Bond. So they're doing this profile to sort of make him seem more approachable and likable by the general public. So that's the beginning. It's cutting back and forth between that first meeting between her and Gabe and her interviewing him 10 years later. So we're sort of you understand from the beginning that that original interview made a huge difference in both of their careers, but it's not really clear Like you're walking through that day in the interview and learning about that article as you're also experiencing her in present day going back to interview him again. All right. Intriguing premise. I'd read it. Put it in my stack when you're done. All right. Great. Will do. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Also, like she'll probably pick she'll probably pick one of them, and it's probably going to be Silas. I just like okay. <laughs> wow, <laughs> the level of bitter today, Jesus. <laughs>